one thing that came forward while Brian was talking, it brought up a memory of a story of my own experience in, at the age of 10. We were in, at school learning about parables and, and different things having to do with storylines. And we were supposed to give a demonstration of if we really understood a parable or not. And I had been observing in my uh, own study inwardly and outwardly and looking at different things in the Bible and different spiritual texts, <clears throat> how I was beginning to understand more of the symbology that was in writings having to do with the mystical and the inner process of awakening. And so as I began to look and see, well, what could I share in the class that might make some sense, or what could I write in this paper we're supposed to, to write and then share in the class uh, about a parable? And so I picked out a story having to do with Moses. And it was where he was before Pharaoh, and he laid the staff down, which is the symbol of the power of the name. He laid that down, and the staff became a serpent. And the Pharaoh turned to his magicians, as they were called, and looked at them, and they walked over and said to Moses, how simple, this is just a magic trick, this is nothing. And they laid their staffs down. And they, too, turned to serpents, demonstrating that they had, quote, equal power, if you will, and that there was nothing great about what Moses was doing greater than what they could do in, in the temples of Egypt. But then something happened beyond that that demonstrated the power of the name was greater than the power that the magicians were using, and that was that the serpent that came out of the staff of Moses devoured the serpents that the magicians had created out of their staff. And to me, that was a parable. It was saying that there are a lot of things in the world that look to be true, that look to be as powerful as that power of the name of God, but they are only a part of the illusion. And it is only the power of the name or the power of loving that it is the name that can devour the illusion. And when I tried to explain that at school, <laughs> this wasn't even Sunday school, this was just school at the age of 10 in the fifth grade, uh, and I, fourth grade probably, um, it got across to a point, but a fourth grader trying to explain the Bible and the understanding of things that a fourth grader sees and, and knows, it kind of got left behind, except for one thing. My teacher weeks later asked me to come back in and asked me more about what was I seeing in the Bible? What was the storyline that I was reading that gave me the understanding of that? And so I began to explain a little bit about some of my own inner experience and my own understanding of the inner pathway. And she said, you know, I've got to say something here. 
when you first talked and you were sharing about all this, I got really frightened. I thought something was wrong here in what you were sharing. And I, I felt like I shouldn't be listening because it was a going against what I was told to believe. And for the last few weeks, I've been kind of suffering through this process that you started in me. And that's why I asked you to come in and tell me, how is it you know this? Where did you get this? Did somebody at church and somebody at synagogue, where did you learn this? I don't know your history. And I said, no, this is about my knowing. This is about how I perceive things as I've looked both inwardly in my prayer and outwardly trying to find the truth of what I find in my prayer. And she said, you've given me courage. <clears throat> you've given me courage that I didn't have before or that I didn't know I had before. You pointed out to me <clears throat> that I know certain things inside myself that are my truth, my understanding of spirit and of God and of who I am, that I wasn't allowing myself to believe because I was told as a child by my parents and by those around me how I was to believe and what was true and what wasn't. And you've given me courage to look and to see and to question and to discover for myself my own truth. And all of a sudden I realized that since my childhood I've had a very simple understanding of God. And I've let everybody else redefine God for me to a point that I have not been living that simplicity. And I asked her, I said, well, what is that? And she said, I know that God is loving and that if I will just live that in my life, my life will be good. But I have it. I've lived life that God is judgment and that God is something to be feared and that we ever have to work to improve ourselves and to prove ourselves to God that we are worthy of, of his loving and of his kingdom. And you've taken that all away from me and I'm grateful for you and I hate it because I don't know what to do with it now. I can't go to church and listen to what they say from the pulpit because it goes against the truth that I know in so many ways. And I said to her, well, that's interesting because I go to church because I like to listen to what they have to say at the pulpit because in there I can also hear the truth being spoken, even though sometimes it is like the magicians laying down the serpent. I also know that in that act, there's also a truth that brings forth that serpent. There is a truth in there, but they don't know that it's the truth. They just know the power, and they do that. And I said, go back and listen. And she said, no. I'm not going to go back unless you go with me this Sunday. And I went, what? <laughs> so I had to go back and ask my parents, can I go to church with my school teacher? And my mom looked at me and she said, well, that's a first. <laughs> because I never went to church other than because of my neighbors. My parents never went to church. We went to church twice in my life uh, with my parents. And as a family. Otherwise, I went with neighbors because they did not go to church. 
And so they were used to me going off with this family or that family to, to the Catholic Church or the Baptist Church or to synagogues on the weekend or whatever. But they weren't used to having me say, can I go to school to church with my teacher? So she came and picked me up. And off we went. And she had me come into the church with her and sit with her. And she said, now, tap me when you hear a truth that maybe I'm not getting. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, man. <laughs> I'm either going to flunk this year or I'm going to do good. <laughs> so we're sitting there and we sing and we pray and we do all the things. And then the minister comes up and starts to share out of the Bible and teaches from what he wants to, from what he just read. And he's rambling on for a while. It wasn't very interesting to me. And I wasn't getting a lot of sensation of awareness inside of, oh, and there's a truth in this. And oh, there's a, a truth in this. And all of a sudden I feel her tapping me. And I'm going, she didn't tell you what that meant. <laughs> So I don't know what that means. Am I supposed to try to tell her something or what? And then she doesn't tap me for all this. She taps me again. And all of a sudden I realize she's hearing something I'm not hearing. And she's letting me know she's getting something. At least that's what my interpretation was. So I start paying more closely to what he's saying. And all of a sudden I realize, oh, there is something here. He wasn't speaking to me, but he was speaking to her. And so I just became still and, and listened, and I began to hear it. But every time I was going to tap her, she would tap me. And so at the end, as, as we left and we were back in the car, I said, I'm sorry I didn't, you know, pick up on what he was saying early enough. She says, no, no, no. If anything, you just gave me the courage to listen. Having you there gave me the courage. I didn't need you to point out the truth. I just needed to have the courage to listen beyond the simple words that he was saying to that which what was really being said. He, she said, now I know how to listen. And I said, that's it. Now you can read the Bible that way. Now you can read the teachings that way and other stories and other mystical practices. And now you can hear and listen to words whether it be at one church or another, or even in a politician speaking, you can hear the word of truth being spoken. Because everybody speaks them, even if they don't understand it. And that's what the magicians were in Egypt. They knew the magic, but they didn't know the truth behind the magic. They had a little bit of magic, and they could perform things with it. And it looked miraculous, and it looked godly, but they didn't know why or how. But the one that had the true power, the full power, could manifest the full power of the name. And that fullness could then overcome the illusion, the incomplete truth. And that's what we are to do ourselves. We are to wake up enough inside to be able to hear the truth, even as it is spoken out of illusion, and to know the truth that is there. But more than that, it's to seek after that place where the truth does truly reside in its fullness. And there, let that wake up the fullness of the truth in us. 
And that's what this is, Inner Light Ministries and this pathway of sound and light. It is a place where the fullness of that truth resides. And it's a very simple presentation. It's a very simple truth that is shared in comparison to a lot of the things out in the world. It's not saying that other places teach illusion and we teach the truth, but it is saying that is in simplicity, and the greatest simplicity is the greatest truth. And that greatest truth is God loving. If we can do one thing in our lives, and that is to connect back into that place of our own loving, our own true loving, we will begin to connect back into that place where God resides in us, and God resides in all things. And then we see life and the experiences of life and the journey in life very differently than we did before. But we've got to look inside. And the difference between this pathway and many pathways in the world is it's all about the inner. It has nothing to do with the outer. We do not have outer ritual. We do not have outer actions. It's all focused inside. But the world needs those outer rituals and those outer actions to support the journey that the soul is on until it is ready to truly focus inward and wake up to the truth that resides inside. And so the churches, the religions... The practices in the outer that have outer ritual, outer practice, outer actions, outer teachings, they are there to serve the soul as it is walking upon this journey of awakening. And it serves it really quite well. Many of us have walked those pathways to get to this place now. But somewhere on that journey, the soul all of a sudden realizes that all these outer words, all these outer actions and rituals that have served it so well to a point, all of a sudden it starts looking for something more. Well, there's got to be something more than this. All of a sudden this feels hollow, empty. It doesn't give me what it did before. And then the journey switches. All of a sudden there's something inside of us that tells us it's not about the outer. There's something more. And we began to search inside. This action of Inner Light Ministries and the Path of Sound and Light is to serve that action of going inside and of waking up to the truth of the loving that is in each of us. And that loving is a sacred name. That loving is that sound current that wakes the soul up to the fullness of its own truth so that it can begin to live it into all of its creations. And it is that which brings the soul home to its fulfillment. From which it came, it so shall return. So for fun, even after years of not going to church, because I began to do more of this inner practice, 
I started going once again back in the late 70s, early 80s, back to different churches, going in and listening, listening to what was said, listening to what was being shared, singing the songs, doing the rituals, receiving communion if that was what was taking place in the church. And I found at some level that it was very enriching, very nurturing. But at another level, it was hollow and empty and didn't really serve me the way my meditation served me. And I went and did that for six, seven, eight months, not going every Sunday or on Sabbat on, on Saturday but, or Friday, but going rather to periodically when the spirit inside of me moved me to go. And when I did, I did get something out of it, but it never did seem to fulfill what I needed to be fulfilled the way meditation did. And I stopped going. But I stopped going only when I understood what that was really about. My body, consciousness, my emotions, my mind were being fed by the outer ritual, by the outer word, by this outer action of going to service. And so I realized something in that. And about the time I stopped going to the church or to the synagogue or to an outer service is when I realized that the physical form also needs to be nurtured. It's great to nurture the physical as well as the spirit and to bring them into a greater alignment and a wholeness and not live in separation. And so then I began to do things for myself that would serve me at a physical level as well as doing my meditation to serve me on the inner. And that's when I began to do the outer rituals of communion at home by myself. And then I began to share that outer ritual of communion with those that I was doing this inner practice with in the world. And we began to look at other things by which to serve and support the physical in this spiritual journey. So I would say for you that you might find if you found outer ritual very important for you, as it led up to this point to begin being initiated, to begin doing the inner meditation, begin awakening more to the inner and focusing more inwardly than outwardly. You might find then creating some outer ritual for yourself might also support you. Lighting a candle before you meditate, listening to a tape, a talk, or singing a song, if that serves you. Or whatever it might be that might serve you in the outer to help bring you more into alignment to go inside, to bring the physical into the action of allowing you to stay more focused inside in your meditation for a longer period of time, possibly. And that's what I found for me. Doing the outer communion before I went into meditation or lighting a candle with a prayer before going into meditation would help me to get my physical consciousness aligned 
in an agreement with going inside. And all of a sudden, my mind and my emotion and my body wasn't fighting me so much when I would sit in meditation. But it would come into cooperation because it was joining me in this action. Now, that's not true for everybody. Not everybody has that quality of the ritualistic in them in bringing them more into this alignment. So this may not be true for everyone, but it may be true for you. So pay attention. If you find yourself sitting in meditation, especially starting your meditation, and you find an irritability or something trying to call you out of your meditation called the body or the mind, Look and see, is there something in you that enjoyed the outer rituals, that enjoyed those outer actions and conversations? And see if there's a way to create something in the outer to bring you more inside towards your meditation action. Just a thought. I know that in working with my fourth grade teacher, for the rest of the year, we would have conversations periodically. And we would talk about prayer, because that's all I knew. I didn't know about the quote word meditation at the time. This was in 1959. But I didn't know about prayer. And we would sit and talk about prayer, and the kind of prayer I did, and the kind of prayer she had been doing before this insight, and now how it was developing for her now. And it was very interesting having some place to talk about this and to hear for herself how the outer ritual is still very important to her. And it became a reminder to me later on in 1980, 81, 82, as I began to go back to service, go back to looking at the outer and see how it might support me, her words and her practice back then, supported me at that time to understand how to bring it into balance in my own life. And it might be for you. It's also where the outer community, the outer spiritual family, can be a very important factor in serving us in our inner journey. To have someone in the world who is thinking the way we are, that is practicing the way we are, that is living their life the way we are. We all need community. We all need family of some kind. Not all of us have it. There are some in the world that do practice this pathway very alone in the world, very cut off from other people of like mind, of like practice. But their devotion and their loving with God continues to get them to sit every day and go on meditation, continues to get them to read, to listen to tapes or CDs or talks, to keep inspiring them into their meditative practice. An outer community can be a very important factor in assisting us in doing that. So also... Find that spiritual family and build that spiritual family and participate in that spiritual family to allow that nurturing of the physical consciousness 
because we all need support. In some way or other, we need support. It's that way in our family life. It's that way in our careers. It's that way in our friendships. We build support by reaching out to others. And that support supports us in our actions. Look at the political arena today. And look how like minds are drawn together to create community. The key is, is not to create againstness with other communities. So we as a spiritual family here are not wanting to create we are right and they're wrong. We just want to come together in loving because that's the one principle by which we live our spiritual life. God is loving. The sacred name is loving. The soul is the loving action of God. And we are awakening to that loving. And individually as the loving awakens and as a community as the loving awakens, We want to live that loving into all that we do. And in order for that to happen, we do not create separation. We live in the loving, and we love all that is. And we support all that is taking place because everything that is happening in the world, everything, is for the benefit of a soul ever learning upon its journey. Everything that is taking place in the world is a lesson and an opportunity for the soul in that lesson to learn and to grow and to become more the truth of its own. So it is not for us to say, no, 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 don't do it that way, do it this way. Because maybe they need to do it that way in order to be able to step forward and to begin to do it in a greater way than they have been. So come together within yourself, bringing your physical, your emotional, your mental selves all together in one to serve and support you in your meditation. And do that together as a community. We do it by gathering here on Sundays. We do it by gathering together as a community, such as on Music night in Fort Wayne, movie night here in Austin, potlucks when we have those, retreats, and other classes that might take place here or elsewhere. But also you can get together as just a small group, dinners at night, going for walks and exercising. Begin to reach out and build community for yourself, inward and outward. And you'll find that that support can support you on your journey home to God. But remember this, the outer is only so important. It's really about the inner. If you're doing the meditation, you may find 
that you are so nurtured inside in that meditation, you don't really need all of that on the outer. There are some that receive the sacred name of initiation and never come to class, never come to retreat, never call us or write us but once in a great while because they are getting fed through the meditation. They are being so nurtured and waking up so much inside that their life is becoming fulfilled through their meditative practice. And for you, that may be the case, that that's all that is needed to be doing, you need to be doing in this life, that and go out and make a living. It'd be nice if we really could just go and sit and meditate, and God goes, oh, okay, no more work, just sit here and meditate. But it really is about, there's also a lot of lessons yet for the soul to learn in this world, even as we're meditating. There are things to experience and through the experience to learn and come into the greater knowing and have a greater opportunity to fulfill what we wake up inside, to fulfill it into the outer action. So as above, so below. It is lived into the fullness. And going to work is an action and an opportunity to really try to understand how to take the inner and live it into the outer fully. Relationship of all kinds is a way to do that. So that's my little story of my fourth grade in understanding parables and what it came out of that. It was funny because I hadn't thought of that or of Mrs. Dunn, Miss Dunn, her name was, she got married just before we finished our, our year that year. And actually, that's another story because of how she met this guy because of this stirring and awakening inside of her. She actually began to search outside the church that she had been going to really for years, trying to find somebody else because she couldn't find anybody in the church that would talk the way she was now talking and do the way she was now doing. And she came across this man at a meeting and began a whole other part of her journey of her spiritual quest. And someday maybe something will stir me to tell you where I met her years later in the journey that she was still taking. And it was quite interesting to see her in that. Boy, do I have stories. <laughs> yeah, who? Oh. We should do campfires. It's fun. When we do the retreat out in um, uh, the Red Corral Ranch here for the Experiencing the Divine, once in a while we'll have a campfire down below at night if it's not too late. And uh, one, one, one time I was telling stories down there. It was a lot of fun. We, and actually, we used to do that years ago. Laura would have this big container that she would put a whole bunch of candles in when we'd do retreats uh, up in Kalamazoo. And we'd light it, and it would be a campfire. And then everybody would tell their story. And that was fun. We should do that again. That'd be a good way to do that. Maybe we'll come up with an outer ritual. Campfire stories. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all very much, and we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>